Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are, the Fall Classic is finally here. Who will be holding up the Commissioner's Trophy in the end? The Rangers have found their new skipper. How will this impact their team going forward? From the East Coast to the West Coast. That's right, Christian McCaffrey has a new home. The Pac-12's playoff chances take another big hit, recapping last week's college football games and previewing Week 9's biggest games. With that, I give you our Chief of our Fire Brigade, Rob Cal. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a Wednesday night in uh, Matt's basement in Delaware, Ohio, live in the studio. Yeah, we're going to start out with the with the Fall Classic. The World Series is here. Um, you know, Astros come in perfect so far in the postseason, uh, looking strong. The Phillies, uh, you know, they, they look good, too. I, I can't take anything away from them. You know, lost that first game and stormed back against the Padres or whatever. And, uh, you know, things are looking up on that team with Bryce Harper warming up a little bit. You know, he's finally, you know, picked up his bat. And um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll start with two games in Houston on Friday and then go three games in Philly and two games back in Houston if necessary. So mm-hmm. give me your guys' thoughts so far. Yeah, I'll tell you, these playoffs as a whole have been really kind of anticlimactic this year. Philadelphia got here by beating St. Louis two games to none, Atlanta three games to one, San Diego four games to one, Houston, they've they've swept their way here to the mm-hmm. to the World Series. So, you know, there sure hasn't been a lot of drama to this point. And I'll tell you, I'm not sure the World Series is going to give us much more drama here. Uh, Houston and Philadelphia, they they played three times this year, and it ha- actually happened to be the week before the playoffs started. Is the, the last games of the year for both these teams. Houston won two games to one. And uh, Houston really wasn't playing for much at that point. And Philadelphia was really playing for Just their playoff the lives. Yeah. So, so you know, they were throwing everything they had out there. And Houston was kind of playing on cruise control. And they still took that series two games to one. So, I, I don't see this World Series being much different. I know Philadelphia is hot. But, man, so is Houston. They're, oh. they're, they're hitting the ball all hot. over the place. Their pitching is just unreal. I just I, I don't see this being much of a series. I, I think the Phillies can maybe win a game or two, but Houston walks away with this thing pretty easily. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think uh, you know I, th- I think it might be might be interesting here. I think uh, you know obviously Philadelphia. I, I think when you look at this series, you got to say this is a true David versus Goliath, mm. or, you know, yeah. type type deal here because obviously Houston they've had so much success not only this year but in several years past. I mean, they were just in the World Series last year, um, and and. Um, you know, lost to the loss of the Braves or whatever in the, in the World Series. But, uh, you know, and, and Philly's making their return to the World Series for the first time since 2009. So, you know, relatively new. And obviously all the players that were from that 2009 team, you know, no longer there, or, you know, no longer on the on the team. So whole different ball game, you know, whole different mix here. But, uh, you know, Philly Philly's coming into this one. We'll, we'll see, you know, what the what happens i think uh, definitely definitely they got hot obviously at the at the right time or are playing good ball here here in the in the playoffs because you know they they limped their way in into the play i mean like matt said barely barely made their way Six, in yeah i mean the bottom seed in the nat in the in the right. national league <clears throat> if we go back to september i think they lost you know went through a, a spell where they lost 10 out of their you know 13 games in in september or 11 out of 13 games in september so you know there was there was real talks about you know whether or not this team was going to going to even make it into the into the playoffs and they they sneak in there and you know have that done nothing or had nothing but success so far in the in the playoffs but uh you know like i said houston swept their way through everything and have made quick work of, of everybody but you know i think at the same time you know philly 
Philly's got to, you know, they've got to get to, I think, Houston starting pitching, which is, you know, easier said than said than done. Um, I looked up a looked up a stat. Um, No teams starting pitchers through more innings than Houston Astros. They threw for almost a thousand, almost a thousand innings pitched as a starting rotation. Next closest team was like 43 innings back. Um, So I think, you know, they. Houston, they Good have a decent start. They have yeah. a decent bullpen. I won't, you know, take away from that, but they definitely rely pretty heavily on that that starting rotation mm-hmm. to take them pretty pretty deep. You know, I think when I saw it, they they average at least six innings pitched and uh, have a combined ERA of two point nine five. Wow. So pretty pretty solid there for for the starting you know starting pitchers there for Houston. But I think if if Philly can get to them early, you know, and and maybe force them to only go, uh, you know shorter than what they're normal, you know, what they're used to. Maybe that, that takes Houston out of their, out of their game a little bit, but uh, that definitely means, yeah, Houston's got, or the Phillies have to get those bats going and, and through the playoffs so far, they have, they have had them going, but it's, it's one thing to do it against, you know, some of those other teams, but it's a whole nother animal with, with, yeah. with Houston. You know, and Phillies pitching has looked pretty good. You know, Aaron Nolan has looked solid through the playoffs. Zach Wheeler in four starts has a 1.78 ERA so far in the playoffs. So, I mean, they're, their starters are throwing good, but when you're you're looking at Verlander at 175 and Valdez over on the other side, you know, and if you know you come in and you lose those first two games in Houston, yeah, even though you do get to come back home after that, you know, is the series too far gone right. at that point against right. against a team like Houston, um, you know, and really. Not only they're pitching, but you know they they can beat you all the way through that lineup, and they showed that because their two big hitters really haven't haven't. haven't swung the bat that well so far you know um Altuve's not not hitting the ball Yanni's not three for 35 yeah. Altuve so, is yeah so I mean if you'd have told me that he was going to go three for 35 and they still would have swept their way through two rounds I'd have said there's no way mm-hmm. but you know they, they're beating they're beating you the whole way through that lineup so right I think I think the Phillies have a shot you know uh, you know obviously looking at it Houston's yeah. a heavy favorite but I don't know. I think it'll be a little bit more competitive. I look for this to go six games. Yeah, I, I will say for the Phillies fans that are that are looking for that straw to grasp at and that that big piece of hope here, mm-hmm. only three other teams have swept their way through the playoffs. All three teams lost the World Series. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's yeah. a good stat. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I was about it, just about to say that, but that's, yeah, that's no, that's cool. sorry to steal them. <laughs> no, you're good. History, <laughs> no, history. Good, you know, man. maybe on on the Phillies. I mean, that's not a very big you know sample size, but right, you know, right. it, it's you know at least something to look or maybe some silver lining there. Um, I think at the same time, you know, the Phillies are going to have to figure out on the defensive side. Their fielding has been an atrocity. You know, throughout the regular season, I was I was looking at you know a kind of more deep, deeper stat. And uh, they, they rank sixth worst in the MLB when it comes to defensive runs saved, which is obviously, obviously a stat that, that measures how many runs a team keeps off the scoreboard based on their feet, you know, how they, how they field the ball mm. at, uh, you know, however that metric works exactly. The, the Phillies were minus 34 in that, in that category. So they're going to have to, you know, when Houston puts the ball in play, they're going to have to make plays right. and, you know, keep them, you know, keep those Houston, you know, players from, you know, getting on base and, you know, turning it into extra bases, uh, you know, based on errors or, you know, just gaffes on the, on the fielding side. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I think the key in this one is, is, you know, kind of like what dad said, I think Philly to have somewhat of a shot, they have to split those first two games, uh, at least split the first two. I mean, 
they can go for a sweep. That's, you know, an added bonus. But I think they at least have to get one of, you one know, of game them. one or game two and, and to, to feel confident going back to back to Philadelphia, where, where I believe they've been undefeated so far in the in the playoffs. So um, that's, you know, something give give yourself home field advantage. I think they got to at least split the first the first two games and, um, you know, let let the rest do do it, do its magic from there. <clears throat> All right. Very good. Uh, like like Colton mentioned in the in start of the show here, the Rangers hired a new manager this week. Um, you know, they went out and got some experience. Um, give me your guys' thoughts. Yeah, um, you know, Texas Rangers, they, uh, you know, for, hired the former uh, San Francisco or most recently the San Francisco Giants mm-hmm. uh, manager in, in Bruce Bochy um, that will, you know, be taking over as the new skipper there in, in Texas um, on a on a three-year deal. Um, like I said, was former San Francisco Giants manager where he won uh, three World Series and has, you know, in his career has has won over 2,000, 2000 games. Problem is, is, I mean, yeah, I think those 2000 games, I mean, if you look at his overall record, he's about 500. 500, Yeah. yeah. Uh, So it's like, I think maybe those 2000 games are a little bit skewed because of just pure volume, you know, and I don't know that he's been, I mean, obviously, yeah, you can't take away. He's had three, you know, world series titles or, you know, whatnot, but maybe, maybe it's one of those things that he just is able to do more with, with what he's got, or, you know, it doesn't have the greatest of teams, but is able to get, you know, get when it gets to the playoffs, you know, turns a switch and, you know, a whole new team shows up, but, I think for for a Rangers team that has had six straight losing seasons, uh, at this point, I don't I don't think it I don't think it hurts to bring right. in bring in this guy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I was kind of looking at when Bochi did win, and he really had a lot of star power on those teams. You know, the, the pitching power like Tim Lincecum and mm-hmm. the, the whole staff he had then when he when he was winning the World Series. You know, but a couple of those guys get injured and then they make some trades and, and all of a sudden he doesn't have the star power and, and it fell apart. And it fell yeah. apart. So yeah. I, I, I think he's a great coach with great talent, <laughs> right. but I think it's a talent's marginal, which I mean, I'm not right. saying the Rangers are hundred percent marginal, but they're, they're not as, as good as some of these teams that are mm-hmm. playing for it all right now. Right. I just don't know how well he's going to do. I think he'll stick roughly around that 500. He's, he's been his entire career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, he came in, you know, when he got hired by the Padres at that time, he was the youngest uh, manager in the national league at 39 years old when he took over for the Padres in 95, mm-hmm. you know, and he finished about 25 games under 500 with mm-hmm. the Padres. Um, but, uh, you know, when he did, then when he did make the switch to San Francisco, it's funny, um, you know, they won in 2010, but then when they came back in 2012, they were down 0-2 in the division series and won three straight. Mm. And then they were down 3-1 in the National League Championship Series and won three straight and mm. then wound up sweeping the Tigers right. in 2012. So, you know, I, it's a guy, you know, and, and their motto was never say die. So maybe, you know, the, Obviously, it's a guy that he's going to keep coaching. He's going to keep trying it. You know, like I said, they went out and hired hired him for his experience mm-hmm. at sixty seven years old. So um, he said the the biggest hurdle that he had to jump over was convincing his wife to <laughs> letting me come letting him come back into coaching mm-hmm. um, or managing. He because he did he did experience some health problems there his last couple of years in San Francisco. Yeah. And uh she made the statement that I don't want to be the one that keeps him from doing what he loves. So, mm, yeah. So he's back and and we'll see how it goes. I think it's a good hire for for the Rangers, but uh you know, hopefully it works out. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, obviously there's the Rangers GM there's a little bit of a of a tie to to Bruce um you know, back in back in 2006 uh 
the the Rangers GM Chris Young was a pitcher for the Padres when uh, you know Bochi was was the manager. So um, that was you know Bochi's actually final season in San Diego mm-hmm. before he made the jump to to San Francisco. So a little bit of ties there, you know, a little bit of you know history there as to you know maybe why this this hire happened or you know why they they sought after after Bochi's services. But you know, like I said, that the Rangers are coming off of six six straight losing seasons. Um, this this year they actually lost. 35 one run games which was mm. a franchise record so i mean we could just as easily be saying you know if they win half those games or you know whatever we could be saying that the rangers aren't firing their manager they're keeping him yeah. and you know we're not even talking about bruce bochi but yeah those those close one run games they just could not you know could not get over over the hump yeah. and you know i think that just was one of those things that they just you know it, it was like they, they saw the competitiveness or they saw that the talent is there but they just need somebody to come in to get them over, oh, get them over know, that Maybe hump. that never say die at that, you know, motto or attitude will be what, you know, gets them over the hump in those close games. Right. Matt, I know you had one other quick note you wanted to mention in a, on another managerial yeah, hire. Yeah. The, the Miami Marlins have they found their guy. They hired Skip Schumacher. He was formerly a player for the Cardinals, Dodgers and Reds from 05 to uh, 2015. And then uh, since then, he's been a coach for San, uh, an assistant coach for San Diego and St. Louis as a, in a bench coach capacity. So this is going to be his first managerial job. Be interesting to see what what a young guy can do with with these teams. Mm-hmm. You know, it, baseball you seem to see a lot of these retreads, so it's nice to see somebody new getting a chance and yeah. getting out here to see what they can really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So All I right, guess that uh, that leaves the uh, the Royals and the White Sox as the only two teams that still are looking for for a new new skipper. So we'll see. See if that, you know, happens over the next, you know, couple of weeks or, you know, if they, you know, continue to wait a little bit longer to see who's who's out there or maybe they're looking to, you know, pick pick from, you know, these two teams that are, you know, in the World Series, maybe some of their their position coaches or base coaches and see what the what they can do and, you know, possibly give them their you know, first opportunity at, at being the head, the head guy. So, yeah. and Tito announced that you will be back in Cleveland for the 2023 season, which yeah. I was glad to, glad to see. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, All right, well, yeah, he was, he was happy to be back or, you know, glad yeah, that you know, he this, had some this, health problems this year as well. And, right. Yeah. I think that was kind of a question in everybody's mind, but yeah. when he made that announcement and yeah. that was, I think that's good for, good for baseball. Yeah. I think the, his exact words or, you know, comments were, you know, this, this team, kind of rejuvenized me or, you know, brought me, brought me back, you know, back to, back to life, I guess, um, because uh, just, just a youthful, very youthful team, very young team. So I think, yeah, just kind of brought out a new side of, you know, Tito that, that he, you know, hadn't, hadn't seen for, for a few years, especially with all the, the health issues and whatnot. So yeah, it'd be good to have some continuity, obviously with, with, you know, in Cleveland there and see what, what they can do and to build on top of, you know, a a major successful season for them. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, uh, pay our sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back. Don't don't leave us. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, We're going to get into some NFL news. Um, 
you know, the trade deadline's coming up next week, but there was a major trade that we wanted to hit on real quick this week. Um, Christian McCaffrey goes from the East Coast to the West Coast, like Colton said, goes to the 49ers. Um, <laughs> Matt was talking about how much they, they, you know, they hopefully this works out for him because they, they gave up a ton to, to get him as far as draft pick goes. They gave up in 2023, they gave up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth round, and then a fifth rounder in 2024. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, hopefully this this works out. They'd already given up their first round, you know, to, to get their quarterback. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll see how this goes. He had, you know, I guess for his travel across the USA, they get the face of Kansas City Chiefs right off the bat. Um, so, and it, it was a loss for him. Um, but he, he did, he did make an impact. He touched the ball 10 times for 62 yards and three first downs. Um, you know, and they got, they got the Rams coming this week. So, um, I got some stuff here that I think might sway your opinion as to whether you think this is a good trade, but I'll let you guys go first. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm going to, you know, focus more on the, on the Carolina side or look at, you know, from the Carolina's perspective. I mean, there's not, not a whole lot you can say other than, you know, obviously Carolina's in, in full rebuild mode at this point. I mean, uh, you know, going into, going into next year, they're going to have a probably more than likely a new, a new head coach. I know obviously we talked on our show a couple of weeks ago about, you know, them firing their, their head coach, you know, partway through the, through this season. Um, they're going to be looking probably for another quarterback because, you know, the experiment with Baker Mayfield has not played out the way that they had expected. Um, you know, and then they just don't feel that they have a franchise QB on their roster at the moment. So they're, they're going to be looking for looking, looking for that. And then at the same time, you know, even outside of, you know, not having really a franchise QB, you know, Christian McCaffrey was somewhat the face of that franchise because of, you know, not really having a, a, a franchise QB. But mm-hmm. now now that he's in San Francisco, they're somewhat now looking for a face of that Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, Carolina Panthers team since they, you know, to just, sell some Panthers jerseys, right, to sell some tickets, put some butts in seats or, you know, whatever the whatever the case may be. Um, so obviously, yeah, it's it's pretty you know simple from their from their side. It's, you know, full rebuild, obviously stock up on draft picks, you know, from everything I'm hearing. This may not be the only player the Panthers are are, are getting rid of. I mm-hmm. you know hear that star wide receiver you know DJ Moore is on you know on the trading block as well as probably their best defensive player in, in Brian Burns, who I think maybe leads the NFL in sacks through this through the season so far. So he's potentially on the on the move as well. So you know this could really be you know a really big blow up for for the Panthers, and it doesn't just stop you know here with the, with a Christian McCaffrey trade. So. Matt, what, what do you think? Yeah, you know, hopefully whoever the Panthers do bring in the coach of this team, they they give them a lot of input and let them build this team the way they want because they're going to have the draft capital to do it. And, you know, the, the, like you said, this is full full start over. The new, new coach, new quarterback, new running back, new everything. Right. So, you know, they, they definitely need to – whoever they're hiring, they got to have the faith in them. they got to give them that control and that – get their input and fill it the way they want it. Sean Payton. Yeah. yeah, It wouldn't be a bad call if he can (laughs) get in there and and do the job. But, you know, I'm not so sure I love this for the 49ers. I feel like they've got a very McCaffrey-esque player already on their team and Debo Samuel. I know he he wanted to do less of the running back duties and be more of a full-time wide receiver. But, you know, I I don't know that this makes that much difference because everything McCaffrey could do, Debo was already doing. So I, I, I guess maybe it gives you that extra weapon, but, is there going to be enough balls to go around? Or are they just going to split basically what they were doing before? Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know that all the draft capital they gave up, that this improves them that much. It, it just, in my mind, I, I don't think it's that big. And 
now next year, looking at the 2023 draft, the, the 49ers might as well just stay home. They've, all they have left are three third round compensatory picks at the end of the third round. Mm -hmm. So it, it's going to be a very anticlimactic draft for them. And who knows, they could even trade those off before right. you know, draft time comes around. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's obviously for the 49ers going in, it's Super Bowl, or, Super Bowl or bust, yeah. you yeah. know, type deal for, for them because obviously, you know, like Matt said, they don't, if the team doesn't work out or they want to try to blow it up or, you know, whatever, they ain't got the draft picks, you know, left now to, to somewhat, you know, turn it around or, you know, switch directions or whatever. But and the sad thing is if it, if it does turn into a Super Bowl, now what'd you do with that first pick that you traded for Trey Lance? Mm -hmm. Why did you even do that? Because right. you're going to end up winning it with Garoppolo because Lance <laughs> is out for the season. Right, right. So, I, now you got a big – There's so many question marks you with thought all you had, of this. You thought yeah. you had QB controversy before. <laughs> yeah, it may right. get even more muddy yeah. waters, you know, right. with, with that or whatever. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, I think, I'll tell you why I think this is a good, good pickup for the Niners because Kyle Shanahan loves, obviously, multi-positional players. Right. You know, you saw what they did with Debo. You know, he was their, he was you know going to be their wide receiver, and they turned him into their leading rusher. Mm -hmm. And then, have you, you know, when was the last time you saw a team take your fullback, Kyle use chick and run wheel routes with your fullback? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and and Christian McCaffrey's that guy. He's got great hands. You know, he can block. So I mean, I I like this pickup because I think it fits in well with you know, Shanahan's style of offense. Um, and I think what this does also is it it's going to have, it's going to force a linebacker to have to cover Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. Right. And I think that's a matchup that he wins a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. I, I will see, you know, they took a loss, you know, we'll see how they do against the Rams coming in with their big stud in the middle, you know, Dar Darnold there in the middle, shutting it down. So, I don't know. I, I like it for the Niners, but you know that doesn't mean it's going to work out. Right. Yeah. No. I think. Uh, you know, like like Dad said. I think. I think the big question for me is, you know, can Christian McCaffrey can he stay healthy? Mm -hmm. That that's been you know the the thing that's gotten him here the last couple of seasons. Uh, 2020 and 2021, he missed a missed 23 of a possible 33 games um, in those in those couple of couple of seasons um, after. You know, his first three seasons in the league, he was injury free and, you know, played in every game that he could, you know, possible. So here as of recent, you know, it's been, you know, can he can he stay healthy or, you know, and he hasn't hasn't been able to. So obviously you don't trade all these picks or whatever for a guy to sit on the sideline or, you know, put all that draft capital into one guy and, and you know, for him to sit sit on the sideline. But, you know, an interesting stat is you look at it. You know, so far this year, you know, he's he played in 85 percent of Carolina's Carolina's snaps. So, I mean, so far, I mean, obviously we're only, you know, about about midway through the season and he's, you know, been healthy and stayed healthy. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes, you know, because that NFC West is is pretty tough, you know, pretty, uh, mm -hmm. pretty, pretty physical, physical, uh, you know, type of defenses and, you know, uh, this style of play out there. So we'll see if he can, you know, hold up to that to that grind. But. I think at the same time he's coming to a team where he doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that does everything for right. him. Uh, I think San Francisco has, has you know, like Matt mentioned, they have Debo Samuel, they have wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, they have you know a couple, they have George Kittle the tight end. Um, they they got a few more weapons on that offense side of the ball that they don't have to run you know run McCaffrey into the ground or you know. He doesn't have to be the leading receiver. He doesn't have to be the leading rusher. He just has to, you know, contribute and, and be an extra weapon that defenses have to have to play or he's going to going to burn you. So 
I think this is, you know, a, a good move for, for San Francisco. We'll see, you know, how it, how it plays out. I mean, obviously San Francisco had to do something. They came into that Kansas city game. They, they were only averaging 18 points a game. Um, and they were uh, pretty, pretty towards the bottom is in total yards per game as well. So I think they had to get some kind of spark or some kind of, you know, extra, extra thing there on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I think McCaffrey is that guy that, that can give you that, that extra spark or that, that extra juice on, on the offense. So I guess it is good. That he's, he seems to be a pretty good locker room guy. Right. He's not going to, he's not that diva superstar. that's going to go in there and demand the football. He's right. just a team player. So that's going to help a lot. Right. I yeah. So too. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, you know, he's an experienced, he's a veteran player. Right. And I think, I think, you know, from Christian McCaffrey's standpoint, I mean, it's going to just boost his spirits. I mean, this is, he's coming into a team that has, you know, a winning record or, you know, a winning team, that he hasn't had since his rookie season mm-hmm. that he had in Carolina when the Panthers went 11 and five that year. I mean, he hasn't they've had been, a team like that, you they've know, been God awful, right? Ever, yeah. So. Ever since then they have, they've had, you know, losing record after losing record. And, mm-hmm. and just to seem, it, it seems like just progressively keep getting, getting worse if, if you will. So I think he comes into a culture that, you know, Kyle Shanahan has built there in San Francisco, uh, a winning culture, you know, a, a, a very, you know, kind of strong mentality there, there in San Francisco. And, yeah, I don't think that you can ever doubt Christian McCaffrey's work work ethic. I think he's always been a guy that that's going to oh, give yeah. you a hundred and ten percent all the time when when he's able to you know stay healthy and be be on the field. So I think I think this is you know a, a good match or you know for both ways from Christian McCaffrey's perspective and and San Francisco's perspective. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it how it goes. But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna need something. Obviously, that that NFC West is a very tight bunch. I think all the teams are kind of within a game of each other and it's a real real kind of convoluted mess there in the NFC West so maybe this is the spark that that puts them over the top to help help win the division and and push them into the into the playoffs. <clears throat> All right, very good. Well, into the amateur ranks um the five our five games from last week um uh Matt had another great week went 5 and 0. Oh. Uh I went 4 and 1, Colt went 3 and 2. So we we're all on the winning side but Matt, with a couple good weeks here, is taking the lead. He's 27 and 14 overall. Colton's 26 and 15, and I'm 25 and 16. So, you know, two games separates us. So it's it's going to go down to the wire. Yeah. Well, all right. The first game I had written down, had notes on, was that Syracuse Clemson game. Um, it was a game I got right. It was a lot closer than what I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Clemson had to wind up pulling their starting quarterback after he threw two picks and lost a fumble. Mm-hmm. They had four turnovers and still won the game, which, right. you know, I think that speaks to the defense, mm-hmm. obviously. The yep. offense sure as heck didn't help you out any. Right. You know, they put in uh, a freshman, a five-star, Cade Klubnik, um, which, you know, I think they were trying to hold him back and, you know, make him the starter maybe next year. But mm-hmm. he got pressed into service. Now they say DJ's still the starting quarterback for him, but we'll see how that works out. I think what what won this game for Clemson was they had a big big day on the ground. Mm-hmm. Outgained them uh, 293 to 124 on the ground, and 172 of those came from Will Shipley, who mm-hmm. had a great game. <clears throat> and what uh, also killed Syracuse was they got penalized 10 times for 88 yards. Yeah. So, I think that was a difference in it, you know, in a game that was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, really, when Syracuse – or not Syracuse, when Clemson's backup quarterback came in that game, he really didn't do anything other than hand the ball he off. Quit turning the yeah. ball over. Yeah, yeah. just well, kept the ball. I, I mean, they yeah. threw they threw the ball four times. They right. went two for four. Right. For like 19 yards, I think, or something like right. that. It, yep. it wasn't much of anything. Right. So, you know, I, I know 
probably Clemson fans are talking about a quarterback controversy of Bruin, but I, I, I think I it was just Ugalele or however you say that his name had a terrible day and you know they just wanted to make a change right then and there but it's not going to hold up right i think he he is the, the starter coming in but you know this is a game i think syracuse really should have won i think mm-hmm. they just they didn't have the athletes for all four quarters mm-hmm. to play against a team like clemson yeah. i think clemson just outclasses them on the athletes and it showed in this game mm-hmm. syracuse they're having a heck of a season they played a heck of a game it, it's one they let get away and but but ultimately the better team did win this game mm-hmm. yeah i think uh you know dad touched on it a little bit i think it was the the defense there that came up solid and, and especially in the second half you know they were they were down you know quite a bit at halftime but you know second half syracuse only had 119 total yards of offense and a goose egg in the mm-hmm. second half on on yeah. the points you know on the scoreboard and you know on top of that they they held on the day held Syracuse to three for 11 on, on third down. So those third sad. down, you know, third down, you know, stops, they, when they needed to get their defense, going. yeah, got their defense off the field just to, you know, give it back to the offense and, you know, not, not keep their defense on the field for so long. But yeah, I think if you're looking at Syracuse, yeah, they just somewhat ran out of gas. I mean, they, they came out of it, you know, in that first half and they look like, you know, a team that was, you know, a team to beat. they look yeah. like the team to beat Syracuse look like, they didn't even know what football was at, at <laughs> right. that point. But, uh, you know, yeah, Syracuse just kind of ran out of gas there in the in the second half and just, you know, wasn't wasn't able to re- recover. But, yeah, hats off to the Clemson defense for keeping their team in it to, you know, give yeah, that offense give an opportunity yeah, I mean, to, to win. How many times you see a team turn the ball over four times and still win? Still right? win, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, all right, moving on. The game that I did miss was that UCLA at Oregon um, game that, the score was 30 to 45. I thought, you know, it was probably a little closer game than that really than what the score indicated. Although Oregon did roll up 545 <laughs> yards of offense and mm-hmm. Bo Nix threw for five touchdowns. Right. Um, I think what killed UCLA down the stretch was they had a stretch. Uh, they're right in the middle of the game where they were trading field goals for T they were kicking threes and, and uh, Oregon was scoring touchdowns. So mm-hmm. that's when it, it kind of got away from them there a little bit, but uh yeah, Matt, I know you picked this one right, mm-hmm. so give me your thoughts on this. Well, you know, I, I felt home field was going to really help Oregon in this one. I, I think the crowd definitely did spur them on. But, man, Oregon made some gutsy calls in this game, too. The second quarter you're talking about where they really pulled away. I believe they had an onside kick they recovered. They yeah. went down and scored a touchdown. And, yeah. and that, that, that really got them to, to pull away and, and have a little bit of comfort on their side, which I think really helped. Bo Nix and, and kind of a career day for him. He, he wasn't pressing. He, right. he was always playing from ahead. It, it just makes it that much <laughs> that much easier on a quarterback. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think the biggest loser out of this and neither one it's not it's neither one of these two teams. It's yeah, it's, it's the pack it's the Pac twelve again. Not, you know, they have no undefeated teams. Undefeated, so yeah, they're, no. They're not getting a team in the playoffs. It's gonna be tough to and, get and, you yeah, know. do they put in Oregon who got absolutely hammered by georgia right right yeah i mean what do we want to see a a repeat of that if if that comes down to it or Mm -hmm. you know if we we get to that you know that possibility or that scenario i mean i don't i don't know but yeah i think if you look at it it's yeah the pac 12 is the biggest loser in this in this game but you know not to take away from oregon i mean obviously they they're not going to come in just to lose it on purpose just to give you know a pac 12 team a chance to to go to the playoff um but yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, I was I was looking at something. UCLA hasn't beaten Oregon at Oregon since two thousand four. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's it's crazy uh, to think that. I mean, they haven't they haven't beaten the Ducks or you know beaten Oregon since two thousand seventeen. Period. Whether it's mm-hmm. they're at their place or they're at their own place. Uh, so 
you know, I guess if I would have known that, I probably wouldn't have picked the, the Bruins either. But, you know. I also don't think Chip Kelly's ever beat be, Oregon. Yeah, and, since he's been the coach yeah. at UCLA. Yeah, he yeah. has not has not beaten his old has not beaten his old team. So it's uh yeah. interesting stat there. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, UCLA's defense just wasn't able to get the stops and, and Oregon's defense, you know, was able to somewhat, you know, not that they got stops, but they were limiting them to, you know, the three points goal. instead yeah. of instead of seven. So I think that was the difference is that yeah, UCLA just never was able to figure out what that Oregon offense was yeah. doing and you know we're just giving up touchdowns left and left and right so yeah. all right uh next one on my notes here I got Texas at Oklahoma State a game that wound up you know a seven point game but at one point um Texas was up 31 to 17 and then got outscored 3 to 24 the rest of the way and I think a lot of that falls on the shoulders of Quinn Ewers through three picks in that game. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, to me, that was the difference. Um, a game that was another one that I got right. Colton, I think you missed this yep, one. I missed it. The other game that you missed. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I, Texas just, you know, they just quit playing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just was a crazy a crazy run that, that Oklahoma State went on. All right. Yeah, I think tale of, tale of two halves definitely for at least – from Texas's offensive side of the ball. I mean, in that second half, they had five punts. They, they had, I think, nine total drives in the in the second half. Five of them were punts. One was a turnover on downs, and two of the other ones were turnovers, were, were picks. So, I mean, you know, seven out of the nine drives mm-hmm. or, you know, almost all of their drives in the second half, they did, not, they did nothing. They turned right. the ball over or, you know, didn't produce anything. So, obviously, in the second half, when you're not getting any points or you're not making drives that do anything – a lead is going to evaporate pretty pretty quickly. Right. I mean, and this Oklahoma State offense is no no slouch. I mean, right. they they came into the game averaging almost fifty points a game, so yeah. you can't give them extra opportunities or allow them to have extra opportunities. But at the same time, you got to look at the penalties too. Texas had fourteen penalties for one hundred and nineteen yards oh compared to Oklahoma State's zero penalties for zero yards, which to me is a bit suspect, but. At the same time, you know, Texas had 14 of those. I mean, that 14 penalties, I mean, that's that's way too much. Yeah, I mean, even half of that is probably way too much. So, uh, I think, yeah, Texas just, you know, somewhat shot themselves in the foot and just did mm-hmm. themselves no service by, you know, turning the ball over and just, you know, making stupid penalty after stupid penalty. Uh, it's funny you say a little suspect there for Texas because uh, – I guess a lot of conspiracy theorists are saying that the, the conference is is punishing Texas for for leaving for the yeah. SEC, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of people have said that also about USC, and, and they're kind of being punished for for leaving to the Big Ten uh-huh. by by some of the officials. I, I don't know how much I believe in any of that. And, right? You know, th- this game for Quinn <laughs> Ewers. Yeah, this game for Quinn Ewers. I, I chalk it up to just he's a freshman. This is his first time out on the field. He yeah. made freshman mistakes. The kid still threw for over three hundred yards. Yeah. Right? Pretty good day for a freshman quarterback, you know. It, he, he'll he'll definitely get better. He'll be and a he'll good grow. one. Yeah. And I, and I hate to say that since he came to my Buckeyes just for the money and then, right. then left town, but took, you know, took the money and run. The, the kid seems to be the real deal. Yeah. So, all right. Next, I had Mississippi State, um, Alabama game that I don't know, thirty to six. You know, they uh, I don't know, but Alabama to me really there was some there's still some room for improvement on that team. They yeah, lots of room. you know there was they could kick three three field goals um you know when they normally you need to convert those um you know if it'd been where mississippi state could have got on the board a little bit more that could have come back to haunt you bright spot i did see for bama and i think this is probably from the 
hind end chewing they got all week, but they only had three penalties for 20 yards, mm. which is important. Bryce Young looked good. Uh, Mississippi State's third down efficiency killed them. They were only seven for 22 on mm. third down. Mm -hmm. I think that was the big difference in this game. That's why they had to wind up kicking, you know, two field goals or whatever. To, yeah. But, but man, you look at the stats of this game, and it was almost identical for both yeah. teams. They had yeah. almost the same amount of yards, first downs, uh, yeah. passing yards, rushing yards. Like, it was almost identical. So, that, that score is really lopsided compared to how this game really played out on the field. Mm -hmm. it was just, Mississippi State just couldn't cash anything in. They, they went for it on fourth down a few times mm -hmm. and, and couldn't get it. I, I know they went for it on fourth down once on Alabama's 15. They were going in the score. They could have got three there. Right. Uh, they, I don't kind of a suspect call when they went for it on fourth down on their own 30 and mm. didn't get it there. That's right. kind of crazy talk. Like but, gift, you know. gift wrap and yeah. one for Alabama there. Right. But, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I you know, somewhat paid paid attention. But to me, it just seemed like Alabama was somewhat coasting in this game. I mean, they rushed out to, I think, a 21 or 28 to nothing lead or, you know, something like 24 nothing lead or something like that. And just, I mean, seemed to have their foot on, you know, cruise control the rest of the, the, rest of the way. I mean, Mississippi State now, you know, after this game, They've been outscored by Alabama 120 to 15 in the oh last three my. games, you know, oh in this, my. in this, you know, in this matchup. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and the, <clears throat> they didn't kick two field goals, they actually scored a touchdown oh, that's right. they, on a very, the very last play of the game. That's right. I, that was their first touchdown at Alabama since 2014. So, I mean, they, right. if there's one lopsided, you know, rivalry or, you know, whatever it, it's okay. been, it's been this one. I mean, yeah, the Bulldogs so they are, gave up a garbage touchdown. Right. It, yeah. I'm like you, Matt, the, the yardage and that stats were really similar, but Bama gets up a, a garbage touchdown at the end of the game. And that's right. the only score that yeah. they get. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think crazy drastic, obviously very, you know, drastic improvement. I mean, obviously I don't think Mississippi state is anywhere on the level of, of a Tennessee or anything like that, right. but, from an Alabama perspective, you know, definitely, you know, an improvement from what we saw, at least on the deep, especially on the defensive side of the ball, yeah. you know, to, to improve there. Right, but cutting uh, those penalties way down. Yeah. And, we'll know, see, big, see how Alabama, you know, keeps, keeps their nose in it or, you know, keeps, keeps, you know, stays alive and, you know, keeps pushing forward to see if they might be able to, you know, sneak their way back into the playoffs somehow. All right. Last game that we had this last weekend was Kansas state at TCU. Um, it was a game that, you know, TCU looked bad for yeah. the first half of the game. They, I was kind of wondering if I, you know, picked the wrong purple team there. But um, Kansas State scored three touchdowns to go, you know, they were up. And then TCU just came out and rattled off four unanswered touchdowns yeah. to kind of take control of the game and, and, and put it away. And I think, you know, that was – that's a that's a team that you know they can roll up some yards on mm -hmm. offense and score um, quickly. Yeah, and and they, and they proved it in this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, K State put up a goose egg in the second half. TCU mm -hmm. outscored them twenty-one to nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they keep. I mean, TCU's offense they they've played really well this year. Mm -hmm. They they deserve that number eight ranking right now. And, yeah, you know they. They did a great job coming back to win that game. Yeah, absolutely. They, they deserve that, that number eight, eight ranking. I mean, they have now beaten four in four straight weeks. They've beaten four ranked opponents. Um, I mean, you can say what you want about the Big 12, whether Strength they're good, the schedule right good, there. good, bad, you know, indifferent. But, you know, you can only Listen. beat the teams that are on your, you know, on yeah. your schedule. And then, you know, four straight weeks, they've beaten four straight ranked opponents. So, it don't you know, get much tougher than that. Yeah, no, nobody else in the country is doing that right now. Right. So, so you know, I don't know about everybody. Else. I hate talking schedule because schedule doesn't matter. You, you schedule these teams so far in advance, you have no idea what you're going to be playing. No, I, teams I, aren't I, purposely I don't trying disagree to with that, that but just the way that it's fallen, right. nobody else. Is, yeah. I'm not saying that the other teams are picking. 
you know, easy games. It's just the way it's worked right. out. There's nobody else that's had to play yeah. four ranked teams, right. you know, back to four, back to back to back four weeks. weeks in a row. Right. So, you know, and they keep winning. So. But, I, I just hate when I hear that conversation about, oh, well, so-and-so hasn't played anybody all year long. Well, hmm. they, it's not like they – I, I guess if they if they schedule a bunch of one double A teams and, and things be, like that, that's different. But mm-hmm. if, if they're scheduling right. other Power Five teams and it just works out that those are the years those Power Five teams aren't Are having, having a great a down year, year. Right. like Ohio yeah. State scheduled Notre Dame this year. Nobody mm-hmm. knew Notre Dame was going to have statistically probably one of the worst years they've had in a long right. time. Right. Well, and they were ranked pretty high when Ohio right. State played them. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you never know how it's going to roll. But yeah, and yeah. I think I but, think as much as we talk about TCU's offense, I think you know we can look at their defense as well. I mean, this was a Kansas state team that came into this, came into this game, averaging almost 250 yards on the, on the ground. They held them to only 150 um, on, on the mm-hmm. ground. So, I mean, almost half their average, you know, on that, on that rushing, you know, rushing side of the ball. Um, and, you know, so hats off to TCU's defense. I'm not saying that their defense is an elite defense or anything like that, but they, they find ways to get enough of it at the right times to mm-hmm. give that offense opportunity to, to, to score points. So, mm-hmm. We'll see how they, you know, how they go. You know, obviously they're sitting at first place there in the in the Big Twelve. We'll see if they can, you know, keep going and maybe, you know, wreck the wreck the playoff and you know be the outsider, you know, the dark horse that nobody saw coming into this season uh, to, you know, possibly sneak their way into the into the playoff. All right. Well, we got five games coming at you this weekend, and uh, right now we'll start with the big noon game at Beaver Stadium. Number two, Ohio State coming in at seven and 0, 15 and a half point favorite over Penn State. Ranked thirteenth at six and one. Um, I don't know how many more how how many adjectives I got to describe C.J. Stroud <laughs> in the season that he's having. You know, he's got twenty eight TDs, which is first. He's only thrown four picks. His QBR is ninety two point six, which is first. Um, you know, they're putting up fifty points a game, five hundred and seventeen yards of offense. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know where Penn State's going to find the defense to keep up with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think. I think Ohio State will do to Penn State what Michigan did to them. Only it'll be reversed. They'll do it through the air because Penn State's pass defense no way competes with this high flying Buckeye offense. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and I'll just right now I got OSU winning and I got them covering the spread. All right, yeah, I think I think the key to this one is is fast, you know, a fast start for for both of these teams. You know, so far through the year, Penn State's outscored their opponents forty two to fifteen in the in the first quarter, but you look at Ohio State, they've outscored their opponents one hundred and fourteen to thirty four in Ooh. the in the first quarter. And if you go back, you know, go back in history, the past, you know, past these two past two matchups between these two teams. High State's outscored Penn State 35 to 9 in the first quarter. So, you know, Penn State somewhat, you know, their sales are deflated or, you know, they're already, you know, defeated in the in the first quarter. And I think that, you know, is going to continue. I think, uh, you know, when it comes to when it comes to the defense, you know, High State can force Penn State to be a one dimensional team and they're going to have they're going to force Sean Clifford to have to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's where Penn State wants to be. Mm-hmm. I, I trust the ball in, in CJ Stroud's hands more than I do Sean Clifford's. I think Ohio State Ohio State wins this game and, and wins wins pretty big. <clears throat> well, it's well documented. Me being a Buckeye fan, I, I won't pick any of their games straight up. So I'm going to call this one the spread. Buckeyes are favored by 15 and a half. But, you know, Penn State always plays the Buckeyes tough regardless of the circumstances. They're always right there. Their games are always close. I, I look for Penn State to try to show the world in this game that their performance against Michigan was just an off day for them. I don't know how much I believe that, but 
That's what they're going to be coming out trying to prove. They're going to, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. they're going to play their game of the year. I think Penn State keeps it closer than the 15 and a half. So I'm, I'm taking Penn State on the spread. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Um, next, I got the Cowboys, Oklahoma State, coming in against Kansas State, two teams that were on our slate for last week. Um, you know, uh, Oklahoma State's coming in ranked ninth, six and one. Kansas State's ranked 22nd, coming in at five and two. Yet Kansas State's the favorite, according to Vegas at a point and a half. So mm-hmm. um, I'm a little surprised at that. I think for, for Kansas state to win this game, um, they're, you know, they're in their transfer from Indiana quarterback, Adrian Martinez. He's only thrown four touchdowns all year. Um, I, I don't, I don't see that is going to be, it's gotta, it's gotta have to be through the air because I mean, their, their, their big running back is averaging over five and a half yards, a, you know, a carry, but I don't think, if Oklahoma State's defense has a weakness, it's their uh, pass defense. Mm. You know, the 450 yards they're giving up a game, 307 of that's through the air. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think for, for Kansas State to have a chance, they would have to do that against Oklahoma State's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you got look back, Oklahoma State's only lost one game, and that was a double overtime loss to Heartbreaker to TCU, who we just talked about mm-hmm. in the last segment. So, to me, I'm going. I'm going to go against that spread and pick the Cowboys to to beat K State. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I'm like you. I was a little surprised. K State was a one and a half point favorite in this one, and I believe Martinez came from Nebraska, not not uh, Indiana. Indiana but, yep. but yeah, you're right. But yeah, Oklahoma State they're averaging 45 points per game compared to K State's only 29 points per game. But Oklahoma State's also given up 29 compared to K State only giving up 20 against. So something's going to have to give here. I think for, for K-State, this game's going to go a lot like last week against TCU. I think Oklahoma State's offense is just, in the end, going to end up being too much. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State's going to going to win the game, but it's, it's going to be a close one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll make it uh, three for three. Uh, I like Oklahoma State in this one. I mean, Kansas State's coming in this game banged up. I mean, in that in that game against TCU last week, they had to wind up going to their third-string quarterback at, at one point, and mm-hmm. the running back got banged up at, at one point. I mean, they have several guys on the defense that are, that are banged up and just – a lot of question marks on that Kansas State on both sides of the ball. I, I think Oklahoma State, they they just have too much offense. Kansas State, they, I mean, they they do enough, but for them to win this game, they're going to have to control the, the time of possession, mm-hmm. and and I just don't see that see that happening enough for them to you know put up enough points um, to stay competitive in this one. I like Oklahoma State and, and Spencer Saunders to to keep keep winning here in the Big Twelve. <clears throat> All right. Well, the next game um, when I looked at it yesterday, they. They had it at even odds, but I guess now you guys told me they updated it, and um, Cincinnati's favored by a point and a half. No, actually, um, UCF. Oh, UCF. UCF is yeah. favored by a point. That's a bigger surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, twentieth number twenty Cincinnati coming in at six and one against UCF at five and two. Uh, Cincinnati hasn't lost since opening day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they lost to the nineteenth ranked Arkansas team by a touchdown. Uh, UCF hasn't played a ranked team. Um, it, here's, I think, and I, I'm like, I'm going to echo what Colton said about the last game. Something's going to have to give. Um, Cincinnati's defense is only allowing half the points on the ground that UCF's getting. They're mm. they're only they're only allowing like 120, and I think UCF's getting like 240 or 250 on the ground. Mm. So, you know, but I think their their dual threat quarterback Jr. Plummy, you know, he's their he's a quarterback, but also their leading rusher. 506 yards rushing and over five yards of carry. But I look for Cincinnati's defense to be 
to shut down that run, and uh, I got the Bearcats over UCF. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm going with. Uh, I guess you can't really say upset in the sense that they're actually the favorite, but I think I think UCF can can pull it off here. They're going to be you know going to be at home. Um, if you look at Cincinnati last couple of weeks, it played some much you know inferior opponents in SMU and and uh, University of South Florida, and, and they've escaped. I mean, they found ways to win those games, but they could have easily you know just as easily found ways to lose lose those games and. You know, their, their quarterback, you know, starting quarterback Ben Bryant's coming into this game. He missed last week because of uh, concussion. They're leaning more that he'll he'll be able to, you know, go go this way or, you know, play and play in this one. But if he's still not, you know, 100 percent or even if he's able to come back and still not 100 you percent, know, I think I think UCF, you know, got got a chance there. I mean, they got, you know, an offense that can put up some points and, you know, put up some yards. So I, I think, uh, you know, I got Cincinnati being the ranked team on on upset alert. I like the I like the Golden Knights to get it done. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know what to make of either of these teams coming into this game. Neither of them have really played any team of merit on their schedule. Cincinnati started the season with ranked Arkansas, but they lost. So, mm-hmm. you know, what what can you make of that? I, I think this game ultimately though is gonna it's gonna be a close one. It's gonna come down to running the ball. UCF averages two hundred and forty two rush yards per game compared to Cincinnati only averaging hundred and sixty. I think I think that gives UCF a slight edge here. They're gonna control tempo a little more they're going to slow this game down mm. i think that's going to play in their favor ucf's going to win a close one all right yep that's that's good um all right next one i got number 19 kentucky at five and two going up against the undefeated tennessee volunteers ranked third in the country uh vegas is given 12 and a half points um again i think this is another team that uh, you're going to have to get it done through the air for kentucky to win because tennessee's <laughs> defense is only giving up 91 rush yards um a game and but yet they're giving up 330 through the air so Mm -hmm. um you know i think that's going to be the key for kentucky and i don't know you know the dual threat and hendon hooker you know he's 18 tds which is good for 12th in the country only one pick which is good for first and a 91.4 qbr which is second yeah, they're 315 yards on the ground. Volunteers have beat three ranked teams. I like I like the guys in orange. I like Tennessee in this game. Yeah, I think uh, for me the the magic number in this one is is 30 30 points. Um, you know, I was looking at it. Uh, Kentucky under you know current head coach Mark Stoops, they're seven and 32 when uh, they allow teams to score more than 30 points. Problem is Tennessee scored at least thirty points in ten straight games, and and I don't see that that slowing down. I mean, there hasn't been a team yet this year that has been able to figure them out or you know mm-hmm. slow them down enough to to you know not get past that thirty point thirty point mark. And you know you talk about it, the Tennessee defense, their weakness is that secondary. So and, and Kentucky has more than you know capable quarterback in, in Will Levis, but to me he's going to have to have. His life. best game of his probably his career in in this one to have have a good chance to keep up with that high flying Tennessee um, you know offense. I think Tennessee wins. They win in a big one. <clears throat> yeah, statistically Tennessee's better at every phase of the game than Kentucky's, um, and Tennessee's probably faced a better schedule so far this year than Kentucky. You know they they just beat Alabama, and you know I, I think it's good that Tennessee did have a week in between that Alabama game and this one. Cause yeah, I, yeah. I think then it, they could be on letdown alert, mm-hmm. and, but you and know, they really didn't. I mean, they put right. up a, a bunch of points too. They didn't, they didn't have that hangover from that Alabama game. Right. Yeah. But the team they were playing also no, I wasn't, know. I know. wasn't good, but right. I think that was, that was great for them to right. have that in their yeah. schedule a week after Alabama. It gave them 
a chance to get that out of their system. Right, right. And, and, get, and, and get, now they're back yeah. to regular day to day. To me, that spells doom for Kentucky. I think Tennessee wins, wins big. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Last game, um, you know, this this is a game that always scares me as a Wolverine fan, but, we, you know, Michigan State, Sparty's kind of been the bane of our existence in recent years, no matter what the records have been. Um, but Michigan State's coming in at only three and four. You know, Michigan seven and zero coming off a bye week, off that huge win against Penn State. You know, do, does Michigan have a? Do the Wolverines have a hangover this weekend mm-hmm. from that? I, I, I mean, I hope not. But uh, you know, who knows going forward if if that's going to be the case? Um, it's a night game at the Big House. Um, you know, seven thirty game in the Big House. Again, this is a team I think that's going to have to do it through the air because I don't think they they have a rushing attack that where they can you know afford to just grind this game out because Michigan's going to score some points. Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan has that balance attack, two hundred thirty-two yards on the ground, two hundred forty-two yards through the air, and then the one-two punch on the ground and Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Um, Blake's averaging over six yards a carry Edwards is averaging over seven yards a carry um you know Vegas has got this at 22 points I and I I mean I gotta believe that Michigan covers this but mm-hmm. man this is a game that I've seen the craziest things in football happen mm-hmm. in this game so as long as we my team escapes with a W I don't care if we cover the spread or not mm-hmm. I guess is the way I look at it yeah, absolutely. You know, like Dad said, Michigan State has lived somewhat rent-free in, in, you know, Michigan Wolverines fans and Jim Bar- Jim Harbaugh's head, you know, the last, uh, you know, several, several meetings because, you know, it hasn't mattered what the records are, what the stats are, whatever. Michigan State finds a way. It, it almost seems like this game is their national championship. They've been planning for this since last year's game that they, you know, are trying to you know, spoil Michigan season and, you know, no better way to do it now when, when Michigan State comes into this one at three and four. And, you know, Michigan obviously has a lot more to lose in this game than Michigan State does. Um, but, yeah, uh, spread of, you know, 22, 23 points. I mean, that's that's quite a bit. I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying, you know, I think Michigan wins this game, but I don't know about that, that 23, 23 point spread. Um, I think the difference in this one, I think Michigan State is going to have to find a way to force some turnovers to really have a, have a shot in, in this one, um, you know, set up some short field situations, give that offense that really has no identity, you know, in the run game or the pass game, give them some short fields to possibly, you know, get some get some easy points there. But problem is, is Michigan's only turned the ball over four times all, all year, um, so not a team that, that really makes a lot of big, big mistakes. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, Michigan, Michigan wins that takes back Paul Bunyan's trophy and, uh, you know, gets, gets, gets by with the, with the W and, you know, moves to eight. No. Yeah. The, the self-proclaimed big brother has looked a lot more like little brother so far this season with MS, MSU starting the season at three and four, uh, Michigan's better in every statistical category. And I, I know you say that Michigan state always gets up for the Michigan game, but, you know, they also always get up for the Buckeye game, and they, they got the doors blown off mm. of them against the Buckeyes. I think the same thing happens here. Michigan just outclasses them in every phase of the game. Right. Michigan's going to win this one big and easy. All right. All right. All right. Well, that's – I hope so. You know, like so I guess the only game we differed on was that Cincinnati-UCF game. You mm. and Matt matched up mm. all the way down, so my only chance to pick up a game here is for my Bearcats to come through on that end. So. Well, I took Penn State as well on the spread. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. So, all right, we'll see what happens there. But um, so, 
that's all we got for you this week. Um, thanks for coming and listening to us again, and I'll let Colton do the honors. Yeah, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your host, Colton Cal. Chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And you know, if you hear other, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes, or you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, definitely feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. We have uh, an Instagram, which is Fired Up underscore Podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook, which is Fired Up comma Sports Podcast, or you can also head over to our website, which is www.firedup1.podbean.com. We can find a little bit of information about the show and all of our all of our past episodes. Um, and if you want to listen to you know more of our past episodes and even listen to this episode that'll be coming at you tomorrow, um, you can find us on all the different podcast platforms: Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So pretty much anywhere you find a podcast, you can find you can find our show. So appreciate you guys listening, and as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.